everybody, welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, and joining me, as always, Colin Doyle, here to break down everything that's gone on over the last weekend, everything that's coming up, and new feature on the podcast today. We're going to take a dip into the Toronto Rock Total Access mailbag. We hit big time. We did. We got, we got a, a mailbag. We got we got an email with here. one in the inbox. Yes. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we'll tackle that uh, kind of in the second half of things. But uh, right now, I guess the business at hand, Mr. Doyle, would be recapping the weekend games and um, maybe let's generally speaking here. Obviously, this was not a positive weekend for the Toronto Rock with two losses. Yep. Friday that's night's it. game. Don't say anything more. Friday night's game. Burn the game tape. Ooh, I wouldn't do that. It'd be a good place to start. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's. If you can see body language here, Mr. Doyle seems to be a little fired up about Friday night's game. So, where do you want to begin with Friday night then? The opening face-off. Yeah, something that. Uh, you know, full disclosure here, we've talked a couple of times since the game. This is not our first conversation about the game here right now that you're hearing, folks out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the opening face-off, I think, like we've talked about here uh, off the air, was that was a play that I think could have changed the entire momentum of the game had that not happened nine seconds in. And I know you've got a deeper take on the whole thing and, and how the play went down and whatnot, but... Um, Obviously not the way you want to start that game on the road. I think it set the tone for the game. I thought, you know, when we needed one the most on the road in Georgia, coming off a couple of bad efforts, needing the win to lock it up, get a season series, all that on the line, grabbing the first one of two, all those things we talked about. Opening faceball, uh, face-off, we, you know, our defensive responsibilities, we airball on, we, we go to the line, and we clear out the back end, uh, and there's no effort on the loose ball whatsoever. They come up with it, they go down, nine seconds in, they score in a breakaway. Uh, your goalie had had a couple of bad outings, needed to settle in, first shot of the game, coming in on a breakaway. Not the way we wanted to start it. I was just so disappointed. Um, I thought it said so much about how we were prepared to play that game, and it got worse as the game went on. But the effort and the mental breakdown on that play alone spoke to me about kind of where things were at that game. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't burn the game tape. I think they got a lot to learn from it. But, you know, that's that's a game – I mean, offensively, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, both games were were not pretty, and tons could be learned from it. Uh, defensively, there was a much better effort on Saturday, obviously, but the effort on Friday night was was atrocious, and and not not that of a team desperate to make the playoffs, desperate to get a home game, desperate to get a season series. I did not like what I saw whatsoever, and it was or whatsoever, and it was the effort above all else that was disappointing. And Nick had another really, really, really bad game, and. All those things combined with uh, with an excellent opponent, somebody who looks really, really good and got tremendous goaltending, I thought, from Poulin. Uh, you know, it, we got what we had coming. And uh, 
it's not the way it's not the way it was drawn up. We expected them to go and fight and scratch and claw and try and come out of that game with a win, and then play with the house's money on Saturday, and it didn't work out. And I was I was just disappointed. I was disappointed as a Rock fan to, with the effort, and I wasn't happy at all. And the way the rest of that first quarter unfolded, of course, the Rock did get that first goal back relatively quickly, but then there were four more Georgia goals that followed rather. Uh, rather quickly at least uh three of them were were pretty quick after that but um you know then they kind of hold serve almost in the second quarter going back and forth and then you know we move into a third quarter in that game where georgia then goes on a nice healthy uh 5-0 run and brandon slade breaks it up late in the third quarter and then georgia gets uh, just one goal in the fourth but we did get to see our first look really of an extended body of work anyways from rock backup goaltender Riley Hutchcraft and he did make some saves in there stopped 13 of 16 in his time between the pipes in the fourth quarter and you know I think some of that positive work in the late game kind of it was good to see Hutch get in there I think it was also good for Rosie to get out of there at the same time and and start focusing on what was going to be ahead I think the very next night for him I don't think there was really any doubt uh, that Rosie was going to be back in the cage but um, Hutchie was great yeah I mean uh, Hutchie was awesome and it was great to see really happy for him hopefully that builds him some trust with the coaching staff and with his teammates in the event and that they need himself, him too. and I with mean, himself too like, you know the, the only other time he had been in was in a complete whitewash the other way right where his team was completely dominating when he got in in the game of Vancouver over a year ago now when the Rock won 100 to 3 or whatever the score of that game was but he wasn't really super tested in that game whereas I think he was forced to make some more saves and Georgia kind of did keep coming in that game maybe not quite as hard as they were in the early going but I still think Hutch was had some legitimate tests in there it wasn't full out garbage time necessarily and it was you know 20 plus minutes of work it was good for him and again just happy for him and but there's, there's, we just can't whitewash this. I, I and I, I want to remember how frustrated I was watching it Friday. I can't understand for the life of me why we can't defend a two-man game now, and, and why we can't have a two-man game of our own. And watching our offense play, quite frankly, was was painful. A couple passes side to side, come around up top, rip one, two steps inside the blue line, right to his five hole, over and over and over again. And then you know what? Just launch one six seconds into a 30 it goes up and over and away they go on a break again and again all the things that that we aren't we are slowly becoming and you know it's it's showing it's it's not a good trend whatsoever you watch stats and lyle and their best watch them work without the ball and bang and crash and clear space for each other and they are very good at it they've been good that team's been good at it for a long time we have none of that right now and it's just on ball focused one-on-ones over and over in our unwillingness to work our unwillingness to get to the net and our willingness to settle it was so tough to watch with the amount of skill that I still think we have out there that's what we get and it was it was horrible and uh, you know I just I was so frustrated with it I don't want to watch it over I got to talk about it because it was painful to watch and we saw it again the next night defensively I know we're down a guy or two, and it hurt not having Billy, and it hurt not having Bernsey and whatever else, but the other guys are capable. And the way we got manhandled 
down there was painful to watch as well. Now, I am happy because they turned it around on Saturday defensively. I thought we were spectacular. Um, offensively, we got the same effort. So uh, I just I don't want to just burn the game tape. I think it's so yeah. important that, you know, if we're being honest with each other and we're being honest with this, that, you know, that this was really bad. And you hope the next night they turn it around and, you know, our tone's a little different today, but it, it can't be. We have to address the situation at hand. And you can't just say, well, there's some injuries, so so things change. There's What concerns me is the effort offensively to work for each other and to work without the ball. And, you know, I I don't see any of it, none. Now, you also mentioned about going doing the same thing over and over and over again, and I think some of that tied to the shot selection, where you're shooting and whatnot. And I asked you on the weekend when we chatted a little bit about this was just, as a player, when you start to struggle, why is it that you're kind of going back to the well? Why are, Why are you going back to the same shot, the same thing? every time especially if in some cases i'm sure that you know you're being told hey that's not working and i'm sure the player realizes that's not working they're not seeing the results themselves right in front of their own eyes so what is it that causes a player to kind of keep going back to the well is it a confidence thing what what is it that has somebody essentially just like they say what is that the version or the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result well it was driving me insane <laughs> okay. uh yeah and that's the five hole I, i've always thought that's the five hole when you're not confident and you you're just settle to put it on net and be thankful that it didn't miss the net and end up in the back of your net you literally just fire it to the five hole because maybe it goes in but likely it's not and it's a safe out and it was clear as clear as day to me because I've been there a thousand times. Like he, it's not like I'm just guessing at this. I know exactly the feeling. The net gets small. You don't want to risk going to a top short side corner where we know Tom Shriver can put it. You don't want to go far side high right by that barn in where Robbie Hellyer likes to go. But instead, they just keep firing at the five hole because you know the confidence has gotten to a point now where a they're not getting into great positions to shoot, and b all they want to do is just put it on net, and maybe it goes in, but. Man, it's tough to watch, and I've been in that. I've been in that situation, so I get it. But man, we can't. Something has to change. Uh, and both nights, it felt like we just kept repeating ourselves, and it was it was hard to watch, and it did make me insane. So I know why they're doing it. I think anyway. I mean, if I'm drawing on my own my own experience, and if you watch other players that are struggling, that ball generally goes to the five hole because it's easy, and to take that risk to hit a short side high you got to be feeling pretty good because even if it doesn't go, so what? We'll get the ball back. I'll try it again. But when you're struggling like this, your mindset changes, starts playing games with you, and that's where it ends up. Are Hellier and Schreiber a good combination together on the floor? Well, they they showed this year that they can be. Uh, We've seen glimpses of it, but right now, no, not at all because, quite frankly, neither one of them wants to set a pick. Neither one of them wants to get dirty. Neither one of them really – I don't see a ton of desire to get to the net. And like I said, it's like one pass, one-on-one, it's not there, turn it back up, step back and shoot. And let's be honest, like if there's game film on these guys and everybody knows what's coming and knows what their strengths and weaknesses are, as the year goes on, it's going to get harder for them, just like it is for any superstar. The focus turns in. And, you know, early in the year we were – I was complaining about depth scoring and secondary scoring. Now, you know, my complaint is where are the stars? Yeah. And – uh, it, it, it's really, it's really bad, and I, I get the sense. I don't get the sense. I watch it. They're, they're not a deadly duo like they could be or should be. And then I look on the other side of the floor, and I know Johnny Palace well, and I know his skill set well. And I, 
you just can't tell me that he's no longer good at setting a pick and getting to the net because I, I know that he can still do that. And then you've got two good ball handlers and, and Craig and McArdle that can make people miss and, and put defenders on their heels. I can't recall once in that game seeing a pick and roll. Yeah. And, and I saw the Swarm pick and roll us to death. So, I don't know. We I feel like this is – we're repeating ourselves because everybody knows this is the trend that happened last year about this time, and we're watching it happen again. Now, last year we had an excuse because everybody said, well, Tommy's hurt. Well, you know, Tommy's not hurt now, and Adam's hurt. You know, you can look at it like, well, it doesn't matter. We're in. We just got to get ready for our first-round our first round matchup. But, you know, I, I just I don't operate that way. I can't operate that way. I think something needs to be fixed. we got to fix it. And I think it starts with a little bit more effort on the front end. So I was frustrated, yes. You can't tell me that our offense isn't capable because we've seen it. But obviously, people are game planning for them now. You've got to change what you do. You've got to do it harder and better. That's it. And our power play, our power play again, has gone bone dry. And, again, we're repeating ourselves. This is last year all over again. Power play is where you can get your confidence back easily. And you watch, like, Rob and Tom will double clutch, triple clutch from – a foot outside the dotted line, you know, they're, they're shot. So now, you know, to me, my focus to, tonight at practice would be let's, let's be prepared for our power play to go five of six. Let's yeah. get some rhythm the easy way. Let's pick this team apart and get everybody some confidence, shooting the ball, moving the ball, some trust with one another again, and build out from there because when the power play goes bone dry it's certainly not easier five on five and and i i can see it from where i'm sitting when the power play goes the rest of it goes with it and i think they got to focus on turning that power play around and again if you watch the power play it's the same old bad habits that we talked about also i think at this time when when things start kind of going this way a little bit it's got to be difficult for a coach because not only has he seen things I guess maybe have better results earlier in the year, but now you do have to, you, you are kind of forced to make some changes like you're saying. Right. So now it's like, if those changes don't work, right. So I think this is that time where I feel like the pressure could truly be mounting, you know, on the coaching staff, essentially where, you know, you're sitting there right now where, you know, now you, you're not necessarily gambling, I guess, but you do have to make some changes. You got to make some tweaks. You got to do something different because I don't think the game plan under any scenario would be just go back and do the same thing obviously because it's not working right now so now it's like then if that doesn't work then the, these are the situations you don't want to say if but well uh-oh <laughs> look and, and and again full disclosure we talked about this a little bit the fact of the matter is is last year you know i don't think anything changed there may have been a message there to change it but the message was either not received okay willingly or unwillingly and we stayed with the same thing and boom it cost us a playoff spot now i can't see that happening this year because we're we were so far ahead that we should get in but you know something and it's not tweaks something drastic needs to change they need an eye opener here i think the offense needs an eye opener i don't know what it is uh if i were coaching i'd have to figure that out but it's not just talking at them anymore or telling them like something drastic needs to change to open up some eyes because if not and let's say we go on a bad streak again and we're out in the first round. And you just look back at two lost years because, you know, well, I, I didn't want to tweak with things too bad. I knew I, it's going to come back. I know that offense we got, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. Yeah. And then the season's over, and it didn't come back. 
So it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to manage. But, you know, ultimately that this, this offense needs something done to it. And uh, I, I don't know how they approach practice tonight. I don't know how they approach the lineup. I don't know any of that. But this offense needs a kick in the ass. So to touch a little bit on Saturday's game, a little more specifically, uh, I think, you know, after the game Friday night, uh, head coach Matt Sawyer talked about the confidence level being low and that this team needed a good effort on, you know, what ended up being the next night. But their next game, regardless of when it came, it was uh, obviously the next night in this case. But I think you have to be pretty happy with the overall effort on Saturday night that they were better they were in the game but at the same time I know we've talked about how much better maybe the defense was and how great Rosie was but then I started thinking a little bit yesterday that was if Rosie wasn't as lights out as he was 18-6 yeah like this game might have had a very similar score to the night before because you know I, I started thinking sometimes a good defense is a good offense when you're controlling momentum of the game where you're just coming back, you're scoring, you're coming back, lining up again to battle for the ball off the face off and maybe putting another, sticking another one in the net and, and getting momentum in a game. And that Nick Rose doesn't have to at times literally stand on his head to make saves because that was happening at different times in the game. And, you know, Rosie makes 53 saves in that game and only lets in eight. And then it was funny because I was looking back at a, at the, post-game interview from the first game in Buffalo this year and we won 17-12 Rosie made 52 saves in that and you game. mentioned it at that point and it was still like oh my god like you know he's he let in 12 he played awesome but you know we had to score 17 so I mean I think I don't know what your take on this but I always feel like you got to get to 12 or 13 goals usually most nights in this league to feel good about yourself goals for yeah, I, well, it's not six. No, it's not. My, so that's why I'm saying, like, to feel good about it, to 12 or 13, and you think how good Rosie was, the fact that we could have won that game scoring nine goals. Yeah. So our offense could have had an off a semi-off night and still won that game, but then you, you claw it back to six goals, and it's like, man, and then just how good Rosie was where he made saves that guys on almost every other night, those balls are in the net. He was great. I felt like I felt like overall we had a little bit more compete in us for sure. Like yep. it was noticeable. But like you said, if not for Rosie, I think that's a blowout as well. And if you look at shots on goal, sixty-one forty-two loose balls, eighty-one sixty-five. Like when you're only getting two power plays, it means you're not really pushing things offensively. You're not getting into holds. You're not getting into high sticks. You're not too many men. You're not getting any of those yeah. because you're not creating it. And, you know, ultimately without Rose, I think, you know, it would have been a drastically different game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's just it. it we, I, I, I like the adjustment we made. I think it was perfectly clear that, you know, the coaching staff said, look, everybody get up there and play offense. I don't care who it is because I think out of the first four goals, three of them were defenders. Yeah, Rogers, Slade, Hostrauser. And – I was great with that because, you know what, you're changing something. It's a tweak. Yeah. Our offense isn't going. Defense, you get up there and bang bodies, and if you can, score. I don't care. And then, you know, obviously I think they got tired as the game went on. It was a little bit more difficult, and I thought, you know, Buffalo was pretty good. Um, I thought they were good. Uh, it was a tough game to tell because they weren't rewarded for all their chances, but they did create some great chances. 
uh, even without Frazier in there. And they're a good team. Uh, I thought, you know, Vino has certainly stabilized them uh, to give them a little bit more, I think, uh, opportunity to take some risks on defense. Obviously, they're well coached. I, th- I think they're a legit contender in the East. They're not. They're not. They're not a pretender. Uh, I, you know, past their record, they played a good. They won a dirty, hard game. I thought Dane Smith was great when he needed to be, and it would have been nice to grab it. But all, you know, we didn't deserve it, and you know, it was great for Nick to get his confidence back. I think. Other than that, I'm not taking a pile of positives out of there, and you know, you come out of this. It's Tuesday now. They're going to get to practice again. I don't know what the mood or the mindset is. Obviously, the guys know what's up. You know, they're not stupid. They, they can sense yeah. that this has been a bad, bad stretch. Now it's all about coaching, leadership, and how do we get out of this? Yeah. And I think it's all those things we talked about, and it's about, you know, working hard at practice, getting back to working hard. It's about all those things. But, you know, I think there do, there, there needs to be some changes within what, what, what happens here if they're going to dig out of this. And I think – you know, I, I can't even say with certainty that they will. I can't. I, I'm not convinced that Jones coming back answers all the questions offensively. I am not. I hope, but I'm not. One guy I still want to give some props to here from the Friday to Saturday situation is Billy Hostrauser. How we New talked dad. about it. New dad Friday didn't play Friday. For good reason. Yep. Saturday uh, back in the lineup, and I thought he really set the tone, effort, work ethic-wise, all that kind of stuff, in that Billy plays a pretty simple game, I think, and he just works really hard. And if you need to get the ball from point A to point B, he'll probably get it there in a straight line and go through guys or take a hit to make a play and whatnot. And I think that really helped this team on Friday night defensively and getting the ball up the floor. And like you're saying, almost even, you know, whether the message was or wasn't for those guys to go up and play offense, it was almost like Billy's work ethic, I feel like, just kind of dictated that in the game where he he was doing that right off the hop. He was right there to score that goal on the rebound. Um, you know, I think Challen's going to be Challen and push that ball on a regular basis anyways. But just some of the other guys I thought kind of fed off, it seemed like anyways, his – being in the lineup compared to what we saw on Friday without him in the lineup. I agree. No doubt about it. He's an important piece of this team. He showed why. And really, he showed his leadership when, you know, I think this is going to be a tough stretch for Challen as the captain of this team because this is kind of the uncertain water where you're treading and you're, you know, you're kind of in charge of leading the charge, the good and the bad. And he had the good there early and he did a great job with it. And I think now, you know, he's going to be his first good test with, you know, how, how am I going to get these guys out of this? And it'll be interesting to see. It's a great test for him. I believe in his character. I think he'll figure this out and with the help of those guys, those other leaders like Billy. And um, confidence is a tough thing to go on. You know, when it goes, it's hard to get it back, but it can come back in a game. So you just hope they go into this weekend and, you know, they find a way to get things going against Philly, which is, I think, an opponent defensively we should have some success with. And you hope it all comes together and they get that feeling back and everything changes from here on out. But like I said, I can't say that with certainty. I just can't. I hope. Well, you hope to heck that the storyline is not, wow, the Wings were really close to beating the Rock the first couple times and then they finally got over the hump here. No, it's not. (laughs) It is not. That is not what we want to see go down on Saturday. But I would not even, like, 
I don't know, not dipping into Coach Paul Day's playbook here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying, hey, guys, we've been pretty close with these guys a couple times. we got to win to stay alive. Like, th- this might be a game where they're coming in with a little bit of confidence. Even You know what else he's going to say? Coming. I have a hunch we can run on these guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's watched the last All six right. games, man. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And this, is, this didn't get alluded to either. Not only has our offense been bad, it's costing us because it's two on one breakaway breakaway two yeah. on one three on one it, it we can't play that way it's not the way this team's built so add that to the and one thing philadelphia's done particularly well from the early game on even through the games that we haven't played them all the games i've watched them they do run well and they're gonna put some pressure on us that way so i don't know i'm confident that we'll be in the game this weekend uh somehow or another I just hope and pray that our, our offense can turn this corner and get out of this rather than it uh, kind of being something that hangs with us all year. All right. Okay, we'll take a short breather here and uh, we'll tee things up again in a couple of moments. Stay with us here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle here uh, bringing you home on this uh, great episode of the podcast today. As mentioned off the top, we are going to dip into the Toronto Rock Total Access mailbag here. And uh, we've got some good questions that came from an avid listener. So... TJ, TJ writes in and says, Mike, I saw my first lacrosse game back in 2001, a home loss in the Champions Cup Finals. That was against Philly, right? But that game had me hooked, and it's now the only sport that I regularly follow. Thanks to all the teams throughout the years. Good and not so good. Thanks, TJ. I've subscribed to your pod for the past few years, and let me say the injection of Colin into the booth is great in all caps. I like that. That's the best part of the email. Yeah. So it stopped there? No. No. It's, that, that maybe there's said, more. That said, I have a few questions or comments for the show. So we'll, uh, TJ's got three questions. So number one, why did the nicknames fall out of grace and which ones were your favorite? Asking me or you? I think both of us. We can, I think we're well, both. I, I don't know why they fell out of uh why they fell out. Did you like the nicknames, Colin? I never did. You never did. No, okay. I, I really, I wasn't a big fan. But as I got older, I learned to appreciate how much the fans love them. Yeah. And I get I get that a lot. So great question. I do get it a lot. Um, great way to, great, great way for the uh, fans to reference their favorite players during the game, after the game, at the post game. It was really great. I didn't love it. I was young. Maybe I didn't get it. It got tired on me. Yeah. But uh, when I look back at it and I speak to fans from the old days all the time, it's the first thing they ask. So great question. Uh, so I don't know why it fell out, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't think it was ownership change because I think it had stopped before that. Yeah, I think they had kind of stopped before 2010 or begin to for sure get uh, curtailed. Yeah. But I think we have kind of brought a few of them back a little bit here and there over the last couple of years. I know pow, pow, pow. Powerless. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite right now. <laughs> that's in there. I mean, even when Casey, before Casey retired, I was throwing a boom boom in there. Um, you like the bees, eh? I guess. Good with yeah. the bees up top. The bees, there. the pow. Explosives. Uh, uh, we've got Captain America now, of course. Um, the I, the the one I liked. I always liked Timmy O'Brien. Had the surgeon. Surgeon. Yeah. 
That was a really good one. Love the Wild Man Wilson. Yep. There Stroop. was a lot of <laughs> But think about it, there was a lot of dogs. There was a lot of I dogs. Think, yeah, it's the easy, big right? Dog, the big the dog. Mad dog. Who was the mad dog? I think that was Patrick Merrill was the mad, mad dog. Mad dog Merrill, yeah, that's right. Um Big Dog. Prairie Dog. Prairie Dog. Blainer. Um somebody else. Whipper was is obviously one of the best, but it wasn't invented by that yeah. guy. That was his nickname going in. Uh, as was I think Boom Boom Beerns. Or did we did you make that up? That's a great nickname. I didn't. I was real, yeah, I, I feel like who what there was I've heard this story before. I gotta ask Casey. We're doing the Hall of Fame induction next week. Casey will be here. I talked to him yesterday. Yeah, it is next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, P.S. Colin, you're being inducted. Uh we talked Casey actually he said he loves the podcast. I talked to him yesterday for a little bit and uh he is looking forward to possibly being a guest next week. So the boomer. Yeah, he, he said he loves the podcast. Okay, well, we'll have the, the boomer. We're going to have you on. I'm going to think yeah. of some great questions. <laughs> uh, the sheriff marshal. The sheriff. The yeah. sheriff marshal. I don't think Robbie liked that. One. No, I. There was uh, same with Mad Dog Merrill. I don't know that yeah. he was keen on it. Uh, we had Motor Murray, Mike Mich- Mike Motor Murray. Yeah. Because he could shoot. Oh, well, he was machine gun. I think, but everybody called him Motor. His nickname was Motor going in. You're right. They called him Machine Gun for the Rock because yeah. he had a machine gun for a shot. Okay. What was Matt Shearer's nickname? Was he also Machine Gun? No, that we can't. We couldn't have doubled up. That would confuse people. <laughs> Were there ever any rules to them? Oh, what I don't. about Brian Vin Beasel? I think, and I could be wrong, and I'll attest to the players. I believe I made that one up. That's my hand. I gave that really? to him. Yes, you, Vin Beasel. Vin Beasel. Yeah, I actually had a good. I had a good sense for making up nicknames. I wish I leave this with me. I, by next week, I'm going to think of some of the good ones I made up. Oh, hey, not. if you got any that you want to throw in. Yeah, well, I'll, no, I won't put any effort into this. I, well, we got... My nickname, Making Days, are if past. Adam, <laughs> you've passed your prime in nickname making. <laughs> <laughs> I had some good ones. I wish I could remember. What about, I'm, I'm looking forward to if Adam J gets in the lineup at home. Like, they call him Sugar, right? So, like, Adam Sugar J. Like, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm, yeah. I've been saying, I'm using that if he gets into a game at home, which may be this weekend. Um... So it sounds like they're on their way back. So, could, yeah, like TJ, it, great email. Yeah, if you uh, have any suggestions for player nicknames. My or, daughters love the Rosie. Yeah. Yeah, they get pretty excited for that. Me too, actually. Last game, I was in, I was in with everything. Whatever you're doing, I, I echoed it. So I had your back up there. Well, here's the other one. we got to come up with something for Hutch. I have often toyed around with asking the crowd who's clutch. Hutch. See that? Right. See, I didn't even have to think because I knew. Yeah. And it's nice when they're easy. Who's Clutch Hutch? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. You know who's going to be happy? Old man Hutchie here. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I see him at practice tonight, who's Clutch? <laughs> we got a new shirt made up, man. Who's Clutch with Hutchie's face on the back, man? I'm on it. That's my third shirt of the year. Coming your way. <laughs> Okay, question number two. We'll be on this all night if we... Uh, okay, question number two. I absolutely miss The Rock being on TV. He says he needs more Shanny. Being on TV, I would agree. I am. I have been on this for the last little bit. I know that this organization has had many good days, uh, and a lot of those reference to TV time. Everybody that I talk to outside of uh, the game as well, uh, hey, how come The Rock aren't on... T- so... The TV question is always the first question. How come The Rock aren't on TV anymore? 
And it's a great question. I would ask the same thing because I can't understand for the life of me why we can't put something together here because it is such a great game to watch, why we can't have Friday night lacrosse in Canada. With the teams that we have in Canada, we have an Eastern game at 7 and we have a, a Western game at 9.30. Between all the teams we have here, I think that should be up every week. And not only is it easier to follow for the fans that aren't all in on the rock, and I think we need to get a lot of those back. I, oh, it was easy to follow. I used to see you guys on TV. I follow along all the time. Oh, and I even went to a couple of games. I, I hear a lot of that. So I think this is something that we've got to make a conscious effort for. And I understand that the trends aren't heading that direction, so people say. But I'm a huge fan of The Rock. I love nothing more than watching The Rock. It's a pain sometimes to go through the web to watch a game. How many more fans we could get back just by simply having it on a sports network in Canada on a Friday night when you're doing your flick through, boom, there it is. Your next three, three and a half hours are planned for you. So we got to work on getting it back. I think somebody somebody in the league office or somebody in the, you know, take, take ownership for these Canadian teams and find a way to get national games on just very similar to what the CFL does. And everybody who listens to this podcast knows that in the summer you can't flip through these channels without stumbling upon a CFL game, whether you want to see one or not. Yeah. So um, I am on that train. I want it back on TV. Yes, and we'll say, I mean, uh, uh, immediately along the lines of you talking about getting new fans, I mean, TJ, his email literally literally starts with, I saw my first lacrosse game on TV back in 2001. So <clears throat> right there, there's our case study is TJ, our, our mailbag guy. We're back so, a 1,000. Yeah, so, but, I mean, getting back on television is not uh, – obviously it's not as easy as it it sounds i think a lot of people sit there and say well all these television networks they they have all these different channels now how can we not just take three hours of time on a friday night it's a it's a longer conversation but first of all there has to be you know there has to be the demand so i know that you know if fans are vocal and approaching the the networks and saying this is the content that they want to see I think that will help. It will not put this over the edge by any means, but it will help. You know, lacrosse ratings numbers are not always necessarily there to support the demand for the networks to put the game on television. While we all love it that our fans, um, it may not be supported in the mainstream, obviously, and to motivate a television network to put it on. I think. But you say it's kind of the chicken or the egg thing here because – I think we all believe and we have seen in the past in the early 2000s when the game was on TV regularly in the early, early days of The Rock, there was a spike in registration, especially here in Ontario, but I think across the country, there was a spike in lacrosse registration and it had larger numbers. There were more people following the game, all this kind of stuff. So it kind of goes hand in hand. So it's like you say, we absolutely do. I think for the future of lacrosse in general, not just the Toronto Rock of the League, I think the game has to get back on TV. Absolutely. I think it is paramount, number one, absolutely. But, you know, there are also other, you know, other things about business that unfortunately are, are, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess you could say, depending on how you look at it, stumbling blocks, and especially something like, you know, with exclusive digital streaming rights to Bleacher Report, which has been a great relationship, and the production of games has increased a great deal. And in some cases, yes, I mean, once you figure it out, it is easy to watch games. But I do also see the other side of things where they say, you know what, I don't want to have to hook my laptop up to my TV. I don't want to have to go buy a streaming device to get 
a game. I just want to watch it. And like you've said as well about the the new fan creation, the stumbling by, and how many times when you're at home at night, no matter what night of the week it is, if you're a sports fan, you go to TSN or SportsCenter and just see what's on, right? And not necessarily that you're looking for a hockey game, a football game, a basketball game, or anything. It's a what's on those channels tonight. And I think that's where you will, again, draw back some of not only the old audience that maybe has become separated from the game a little bit because it is it's not spoon fed to you so to speak like some of the other sports are in this area right you can't turn on sports talk radio or sports center or anything like that without seeing a leaf highlight a raptors highlight a leaf game a raptor game any of those things where we don't have that right so it it is a process and i think it is very important i think for the growth of this obviously but it is easier said than done i think is kind of the bottom line and it is definitely not for a lack of effort so far but it is clear that there has to be a different approach to it because it's not on tv right now that's right so tj sounds like you opened up a can of worms with my <laughs> friend mike here but yeah i want the game hey, back on tv a, i don't think about it that much i just like watching it on tv i think about when, it all when the joe time. bowen did it all the time yeah when joe those those were great and yeah the value and having him there was through the roof it it was so great and I'll, I'll never forget watching those games and the minute you hear his voice it brings you back to a really entertaining time for lacrosse he made it great um the game made itself great and i think in canada we can have something back i do think so it's going to take some work stumbling blocks or not but i think if the canadian teams with the addition of halifax next year i think they got to they got to make this work and i think using your dollars properly on something like this once we get over the hurdles is something that's a good investment let's kids see the game again anybody not just fans of lacrosse anybody can see the game i don't know how many people have come up to me said it's the only reason i got into lacrosse is i saw it on tv and it looked like so much fun yeah so well we had challen rogers here earlier this yeah. year and literally said he was a rock fan living in bc because the games were on tv you know so, and and helped him fall in let's love with get the it game. back and when you talk about joe bowen and that uh i think you know that voice like you say it lended credibility to things right away and it was familiar to people it was something it was cozy almost right it was something that people were comfortable with right they love hearing joe bowen call a game they get as excited as as he does i always think joe bowen's almost like you know he's he is the guy on the couch that's just as excited he is a fan he gets so excited about things he's he's not your traditional broadcaster so to speak and i think that connects with a with a ton of people as well and then on the flip side, in the early part of Jamie's ownership, when Dave Randorff was calling the games, I think he he definitely got better as he went along and called more games because he wasn't a lacrosse guy. And, uh, you know, I think he'll admit he didn't know the game inside and out necessarily, but he got better as he went along. And I think, again, Dave Randorff being a hockey and an NHL guy lended a bit of credibility. Obviously, doesn't have the same cachet around here as joe bowen does but i think again that was a good move to have a trusted play-by-play guy in there and andy mcnamara has started to develop that i think on our side within our lacrosse audience and i think it'll be interesting to see how all that goes forward as well so tv and nicknames gotta get them back tv and nicknames all right so here we go and then (laughs) the last one actually um which i feel like we kind of we did talk about on an earlier episode but i mean that's maybe why he's brought it up but what other netflix Movies or shows would the two of you recommend? A buddy also highly recommended Fire, which we had talked about off the uh, right at the start of the season, I think. 
He says, I'd go with The Ballad of Buster Scruggs and Paddleton. Put it on the list. Add new season of Trailer Park Boys comes out Sunday. It's animated. Don't know how thrilled I am about that. That comes out. You're going to want to watch how that. How many seasons are they in? I believe I this is 13. I have seen every show <laughs> really? 10 times. <laughs> I didn't know it is my favorite. Tra- it is really? my favorite show. Yep. No, without question. That, that and The Office, I think, are my two go-tos. But whenever I'm just looking to enjoy a good laugh, it, I always go to seasons four, three, four, five, six of the Trailer Park Boys. Whatever happened to the little uh, puppet guy? What was They his killed name? him off. What was his name? They killed him off. Uh, Conky? Conky. Yeah. yeah. They <laughs> killed him off twice. Guy. He came back twice. <clears throat> I remember it because I was cleaning up uh, some old DVDs the other day and found the like the Christmas episode where, where it came with the little <laughs> puppet guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I remember this. And Maybe then I'll fire these up again. Watch Dirty John. Watch Dirty John, right. the Netflix production. It's yeah. awesome. I just finished the podcast, and we watched the eight. I think there's eight episodes. It's very entertaining. Have so, you got into any other podcasts? All over the podcast. Like if it's a really if it's now. a crime podcast, I'm on it. Like I just finished Over My Dead Body. I finished Dirty John. I finished Serial, and I finished. Um, I'm forgetting one. Oh, uh, oh, I can't remember. It's about a down in can't remember it maddie sawyer is also i think overall over the crime podcast too. they're so entertaining and they're such good storytelling and i do so much driving that honestly even when i i don't want to get it out of the car <laughs> <laughs> yeah unbelievable like right. so yeah uh, over my dead buddy s town s town man s town usa <laughs> oh man so good <laughs> So good. So right. there you go. Okay. So uh, there you go, TJ. Some answers, probably maybe more than what you were looking for in some cases, but uh, there you go. There's some answers to uh, your questions. Thank you very much. He says, wraps it up by saying, keep on podding and go rock go. Thank so, you, TJ. Thanks, TJ. Maybe we'll uh, we'll run into you sometime and say hello. And uh, thanks for being a fan of the podcast and let your friends know and everything to tune in. And of course, if you do have uh, any questions like that, that's good stuff good for uh, some conversation here on the podcast so feel free to uh fire it in now we can't get to all of your letters every week but we will to get to a select few so tj was at the front of the line so he got in there you go tj hey everybody major league baseball starts thursday you're a big baseball guy i'm excited you're out here all the time at the end of camps and stuff firing the ball with homer and pitching and if I could do it again, you want to be I'd a be a pitcher. League. Really? No hey? questions asked. I love the I love the art of pitching. Yeah. I could I could watch it all day long. But yeah, so Tigers are in uh, in Toronto this weekend, so it works out pretty nice. Get to see my Tigers play too. I can't wait. When are you going? Saturday, Saturday. afternoon. Saturday's going to be a long day. We're running a clinic in the morning. Yeah, what time? What time is the game? 307 first pitch. <laughs> You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do. I don't know if we'll see you at the game. You might see me. (laughs) You might be up in the booth beside me on the mic. Well, wouldn't that be something? Might not be the best time to start. Go Tigers. Are they going to be any good? Nope. No? No, they're uh, rebuilding, but uh, it doesn't matter to me. Do you go down? You do go to. Yeah, we'd like to go down. I like to go down with my family, and I like to go down as a a group. Yeah, as a boy. So it's always something we do annually. It's a lot of fun. Love baseball. I think it's as you get older, you get an appreciation for the game and all the intricacies. So I'm a big fan. So I'm excited for that to get started. And if you're really good at it, apparently it pays you $425 million. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we didn't touch on the Callum Crawford thing. We're going to have to next week. 
we got time here. What What do you want to? Well, I mean, like a lot of. It, 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 I don't want to beat a dead horse with this at all. Okay, so let's move on. It's laughable. No, I, I think it, it, it's laughable, right? End of story. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't care. None of it else. None of it matters. It's written in the rule book. That's what it is. You move on. I, I don't understand yeah. why there was a hearing at all because they weren't arguing anything. It's he got suspended for another high hit, correct? And the punishment, yes. if it's two within a year, you get five games? Yep. Okay. All right, well, that's okay. it. We talked yeah, about that it. That yeah. is that is it. Okay. So let's chat about this Saturday's game then a little bit uh, before we go. Uh, Philadelphia Wings, the Rock have two wins already over the Wings. A win on Saturday night by the Rock would have fin- officially clinch a playoff spot. How do you think it Toronto plays Rock. out on the 12th, though? Like he's coming back here. <laughs> Wait, I thought we were done talking about. Well, that. I just, I guess, I'm still kind of curious. Like, are we, we're not, we're not gonna go there. I don't think so. No. Oh, I'm, I'm very intrigued. It's got me, it's got me stewing. Anyway, because the message that the league has sent, well, you can hit somebody behind the head. It, it, it's okay. So go ahead, hit him in the head. Is okay. this making you uncomfortable, Mike? <laughs> I just I'm we'll floored. I'm floored that the message that that has been sent. I am just absolutely floored because, honestly, your mind can go anywhere here. And instead of him sitting in suspension and everybody moving on, like now there's this. Yeah. Like, it, if the retribution were to happen, which it won't, we're that we don't live in that generation anymore. What if the retribution was a high stick? Like, what grounds? could anybody have other than giving whoever did it a game yeah like i just i'm i'm so beside myself at the precedent this that this is set and that's why i think it's an issue the rest of it's irrelevant it's a pretty clear-cut decision i think five games is too much i think they ought to relook at that in the rule book but it's five games and and i don't understand where there's a gray area here i'm just so confused and if there were retribution which i'm not advocating but if the retribution was a high stick a blindsided high stick what could they do other than one game in a hearing? It, it, they've just put themselves in such a difficult spot. It, it is absolutely a difficult spot, and I think it will be something that's clearly going to have to be examined in the offseason. And, and maybe it's the wording of the rule, it's the punishment, fitting the crime. Um, it's a lot of things. It's just really sloppy. I didn't like it. I didn't like how it was dealt with. And like I said, what happens after the fact, who knows? Like I said, we live in a different generation. We all know what would have happened back in the day. You know, the Rock have got so many more things on their plate they've got to deal with than this. But the whole idea of pinning one player against another in a – like all yeah. these things, it's just so wild to me. And um, it's just crazy to think that this happened and he'll be back. And then – whether we live in a generation, a different generation or not, that's still going to happen. He's still coming back here on the 12th. So I'm very intrigued. And like I said, I'm neither here nor there on the whole thing. I just think it it was kind of a – it reflected poorly on, on, on our league and it reflected poorly on the people involved. Like it just reflected poorly and should have just stuck to their guns and lived with it. And then change it. If it's too much, change it. Because I do. Like I said, I think it's too much. Five games is too much. That's a, almost a third of the year. Yeah. So go down to three. Three games is still a lot. So anyway, we'll move on. Yeah, this weekend. Go ahead. All right. So the Philadelphia Wings are in town. The Rock have two wins over the Wings, uh, both coming very early in the season. 
um, back in January. One uh, went to overtime, a game that I think we were all in agreement at the time. The Rock probably shouldn't have won, but rallied late and won. And then they just kind of grinded out the win, I think, that was uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, Wings minus three coming in here. Are they favored? Oh, setting the line here. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an opportunity. It's just an opportunity for, for hopefully to get some guys back and start building towards, you know, the end of the year. Hopefully we Does it help at all in this situation, even though the way the playoff scenario is set up here, that Philadelphia just loses one more game the rest of the way, the Rock clinch a playoff spot. So while it can be a positive win and you're in message on Saturday, there is also the whole – it is highly doubtful that any team here wins or loses the rest of their games kind of thing. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. At some point in the time, there's upsets, whatever. All the games are so close. So for any team to be running the table here at this point, positively or negatively, is, is probably a little bit rare. But does it help in terms of refocusing things that not only do the guys want to get better, have a better effort, get a win, but now it's a, let's go into the playoffs through the front door here. Let's not re- rely on Philadelphia losing a game. Let's be the ones that – Make Philadelphia lose that game. Yeah, it sets up well for them because it is winning you're in. It doesn't matter what the rest of it looks like. Winning you're in is always a good scenario. But it, winning this weekend and winning well, not yeah. score-wise well, but winning well with a great product, with a great game, sound game, goaltender, defense, special teams, offense, it, it gets you in and it hopefully gets you back on track. And then you slowly start to build up and get healthy and get everything. But, you know, speaking – what this team has to do, I think, is not only win this game and get in, but they got to get better, and they've got to change. And, you know, speaking off air, the idea that they all of a sudden come back in a somewhat soft last four games yeah, and score a bunch of goals the way they, you know, if all of a sudden that happens but they haven't changed anything, it's it would still concern me going into a playoff game because against the big boys, you know, we still haven't proven that we can play that kind of game and win. So I think as they're – building towards the playoffs and as they're hopefully winning some games they've got to add a different element to their game to show that they can win differently so that's more offensively than defensively but as you're building towards this I think they got to show they can do some different things that's important and like you're saying about the schedule down the stretch here three of the Rocks last five games are against teams that are highly unlikely to make the playoffs with Rochester Vancouver and Philadelphia on the schedule here but New England and Buffalo two games where you will be able to test yourself and kind of gauge where you're at here uh, down the stretch. And those are going to come in early April, and then you're going to have the, the the break, the bye week, and then wrap up the season in Vancouver at the end of the year, wrap up the regular season. So it, clarify something for me. Are they going to Vancouver then because they missed the game earlier? Yeah, this is the true reschedule from gotcha. what would have been week I, two. Oh, okay. Yeah. All, originally, it, originally it was week one. The first week of December was in Buffalo. Week two was in Vancouver, and then it was a bye week. So the Buffalo game got shifted from the first week to technically week three, the December 21st, and the Vancouver game shifted to the very end of the season. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll talk again next week. We'll see what's up. And we'll talk about Toronto Rock Hall of Fame next week. That's right. Induction. Yes. I got to write a speech. You do. <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep this one short, right? Oh, you can go on. Yeah. We'll see. I should sing a song. I should sing a song, make a song, do something different. About 
whatever. Your like, playing days? I guess like so. Write, like, write a song. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Got to do something. <laughs> I'm excited because uh, the guys going in are, are great friends. Yeah. And uh, people have a lot of respect for So that's going to be a really neat night. Happy. And Aaron Wilson, a guy that I think a lot of guys, a lot of current rock fans may not be quite as connected with, um, you know, as the rest of the group going in. But, you know, it's kind of like he and Casey Bieran seem to, you know, when you look at it, kind of had very similar roles, career paths, whatever, with The Rock to some degree. And I feel like similar relationship on the floor, especially with you. Oh, no question with me. Like those, I mean, Stroop had that before those two but those two like no question were like they made me look so good those two guys and i had two of the best ever so what was it about i i can remember more so with casey but for sure with uh, uh, with aaron Wilson was well, the exact just, same if like it, the fact that you guys just you knew it didn't matter what was going on on the floor it seemed like you were able to well aaron and where i where casey was gonna be and get him the ball like going back to aaron aaron and i grew up next door to one another so we grew up on the same street. I got him into lacrosse. We had some chemistry from like the streets. Yeah, <laughs> you know, is this the mean streets? The mean <laughs> we do we did live in the mean streets kitchen. I'm not making that up. Okay, but uh, yeah, it, uh, so we kind of formed that chemistry over year over the years. Yeah. Uh, Casey and I, the minute I played with him, it was like he had just appeared like a like a you know the the per, my the yin to my yang, yeah. and it was just like. You're right. We had never played together before. I had never met him before. And uh, the minute, first time I played with him, I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is this is like Aaron Wilson again. And always open, yeah. always made eye contact. And so chemistry comes in huh. so many different forms. So it's so good to go in with those guys because I owe so much to them because, like I said, they, they made me look so good. They were two of the best players that I've ever played with. And obviously uh, Sandy, who I've got so much respect for, won so many championships with and – uh, Josh, so you know what, what? What else do you want? It's it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be an awesome night for the Rock, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, it's gonna be cool. All right, so we'll have more on that uh, on next week's show at some point, and maybe we'll have some uh, Hall of Fame guests popping by as well uh, for for some of that next week too. Maybe. Yeah, we'll do it Tuesday then. Get the Hall of Famers in here. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm in. <laughs> TJ, Hachi, you guys in? All right. I would think so, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. That's going to be fun. Hopefully we got a win to talk about. We can talk about that briefly, move on, and then get on to the Hall of Fame. Sounds All like right. a plan. <laughs> so don't forget this Saturday night, Toronto Rock and the Philadelphia Wings at Scotiabank Arena. Tickets still available. Not a ton left in the lower bowl. Very few, actually. So uh, if you want to get a seat uh, in the lower bowl, act on that fast. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in the upper bowl. Also a great way to take in the game, as Mr. Doyle will attest to from a few weeks ago. But uh Lots of uh, lots of great seats available, just not a lot in the lower bowl. So you want to uh, get on that, and uh, lots more exciting news here coming in the in the next few weeks as well with uh, Toronto Rock Hall of Fame night uh, on April the second, and then we will have uh, a special tribute to Sandy Chapman before the game on April the fifth, and uh, have Chappie out there on the floor to do the ceremonial face-off and whatnot, and kind of pay tribute a little bit uh, in game to uh, a great career had by uh you know one of the greatest uh, toronto rock players of all time as uh, justified indicated however you want to put it by his induction into the toronto rock hall of fame and then coming up on friday april the 12th the toronto rock will retire retire the number 32 worn by jim veltman so lots of big stuff coming up on the horizon here if you're a toronto rock fan so 
that will about do it unless you got anything else to throw at us here doily that's it that's go rock it. go all right so in the meantime and in between time for colin doyle i'm mike hancock saying that's it that's all another edition of toronto rock total access is over and done with we will chat next week